Well, hi, it's me, Bill, and it's a brand new episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show, I, I ended up not eating. I don't, I don't know if anybody ended up eating anything. The intent was there. Uh, we recorded this at the uh, Huntsman, Huntsman Cancer Institute, and they have a really good restaurant up there. Uh, it's called uh, The Point. And uh, our intention was to sit down with our friend Dove Saporin, perhaps for the very last time, and have some food up there and uh, interview Dove. Uh, now, do you remember Dove Saporin? Uh, he's the fuck cancer guy. Uh, Dove Saporin, the fuck cancer guy here in Utah. Uh, seven and a half years ago or so, Dove was uh, diagnosed with um, colorectal cancer. Uh, inoperable cancer. Uh, he was uh, 33 at the time, 32 at the time, and uh, he. the doctor said this cancer is eventually going to kill you. Don't know how long it will be, but it's going to kill you. Uh, and uh, Dove, I mean, that's a devastating, he had two two very young children at the time, one, one just barely born. And, I mean, this is a devastating thing to have to hear. Uh, Dove and his wife, uh, Tara, but they, they both faced it, and, uh, and Dove has ended up facing it with great energy and great humor and great uh, and profound insight, I think. And uh, we, I met Dove about two and a half, three years ago. Somebody brought him to my attention. He's the guy who wears the shirts that say fuck cancer on them at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. He's, he's been known to put on costumes like the Grim Reaper and run through the, the, uh, the chemotherapy room up there. And he's, he has done everything he can to fight the cancer that's, that's been fighting his body. And he's also tried to bring a little bit of happiness and, uh, and levity uh, to other people who are suffering cancer and trying to fight cancer up there. Uh, and uh, we've had Dove on, on the Radio from Hell show. He's been on the Let's Go Eat show. Well, word got to us uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago that Dove was not doing well. His health was not well. And he came in uh, to our studio and he looked did not look good. Uh, his weight had dropped drastically and he said things had turned, taken a turn for the worse and there were no chemos that he could do anymore and it didn't look good. And I said, well, let's get together uh, and do an interview, uh, another interview for the Let's Go Eat show. Maybe our last one. And he said, okay. So then a week later, I, we met up at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. And he, oh, I mean, I thought he looked bad when I'd seen him the week previous. Well, he's... Anyway, um, we were there at Huntsman with uh, Dove's wife, Tara Steele. Uh, his mother, Ona Saporin, lovely woman, Ona Saporin. Uh, we were there with his um, oncologist, Dr. John Weiss, and uh, also hospice worker, Steve Scoville, who is a nurse practitioner with Inspiration Hospice, as Dove prepares for the end of his life. We didn't, as I said, we didn't eat, really eat anything. Dove had some food there in a, in a, a styrofoam container in front of him uh, that, uh, that he didn't end up touching. I had a cup of coffee, and that was, 
that was about it. Uh, we actually went to a private conference room off, off the Point uh, restaurant, and there were a bunch of other people in the room, a lot of people there. Um, Dove is an inspiring person, and uh, anybody who comes into contact with him loves him and likes to be around him. Anyway, here's that interview we recorded uh, on Friday, what was it, the 19th of March, uh, 2015. Dove Saporin. I want to thank everybody who helped out with this interview. I want to thank Jessica Baird for taking photographs. Um, I want to thank uh, Amy Donaldson. She's been there. She's writing a story on Dove for the Deseret News. Uh, I want to thank Corey O'Brien for putting the show together. Uh, I want to thank my son Dylan back from New York, also helping out with production of the Let's Go Eat show. Thank everybody at the Huntsman Cancer Institute who helped out um, and uh, got this all together. Uh, terrific people up there. Uh, anyway, after you're done with this, everybody have a drink, raise a glass, whether it be alcoholic or non, to Dove Saporin, and um, and then you know when you do that, make sure that it's a double. Here it is, the Let's Go Eat Show, Dove Support. While we're doing this, because it's the Let's Go Eat Show, after all. And uh, to talk a little bit, Dove. Just let me make sure I've got okay. you there. Well, let me see which microphone you are here. Oh, just to talk should be easy. Getting me to stop. That's a little bit rough. Oh <laughs> crap! Which oh. okay, it's this one. I should color code these. I think. Go ahead, talk. Okay, I'll just keep on. Keep Go talking. Ahead. There's a. Uh, um, I'm looking for some different quotes that uh, I wrote down from Steve the other day. Had some uh, great ones. Oh, somebody called. You know that poem you read on the air? Somebody called for that. Oh, cool. Today. Is that on your Facebook page? Um, I couldn't find I, it on there. I'll post I it again. I probably didn't look long I'll enough. I'll post it today. I know. I've posted a lot of stuff over time. Um, I read the. Uh, I'm trying to think that one was the. Tara, do you remember which poem I read? It was short and it didn't have any swear words. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Believe it or <laughs> it not, that swear doesn't word. exclude all, you know, wow. most of my poetry. Yeah. Wow. Um, he said, it's clean, I can read it. Yeah, yeah, because I know Richie was worried about it being the uh, um, the one about hope that I read because that has the word shit in it. Yeah, which, we, really can, good one. which we can uh, freely use that. Your, okay. mother, your mother just, when you said shit and your mother went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> even now she went, oh. <laughs> Uh, feel free to, to uh, use any language you like okay. on this show. Okay. It's the Let's Go Eat show. It's a <laughs> podcast. It's on the Internet. We're at least at this point free from the restrictions and fetters of the Federal Communications <laughs> Commission, who thinks that everyone is a child. And yeah, exactly. even, even when you're talking about death, you can't say shit. Uh, on the radio, so um, well, I think the word itself actually corrupts people. You can watch them become corrupted as they hear that word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dove Saporin, and uh, we're here with uh, uh, Dove's mother, uh, Una Saporin, oh, Una, Una. Uh, and uh, also uh, also with one of his hospice workers, Steve Scoville, who is with Inspiration Hospice. Uh, also, there's a room full of people here. There are people taking <laughs> pictures? There are people here from the Huntsman. Uh, cancer uh, hospital. Amy is here. She's uh, does public relations. What's your last name, Amy? Parker. Amy Parker, who is uh, public relations here, uh, and um, uh, our good friend Amy Donaldson is here because I I don't know. She writes a sports column, so and she's <laughs> running a fifty miler, so she's here. <laughs> I've 
<laughs> I've never been so interesting as I am now that I'm dying, evidently. <laughs> well, we're all dying, and, yeah. and, and not all of us are interesting. <laughs> I, my guess is, and your mother, uh, Una, would probably confirm this, and let's ask her. Oh, Ona, sorry. Ona, Ona, Una, Ona. Uh, I feel like David Letterman all of a sudden. <laughs> um, uh, would probably confirm, my guess is Dove has always been an interesting person, hasn't he? Always, from the moment he was born. Uh, he's, uh, uh, he's uh, he, uh, I, I, I kind of wish, how old are you, Dove? Me, uh, 40. 40. Yeah. I, I wish I'd known Dove uh, when uh, he was a kid and growing up and just kind of known him before all of this. Because I've only known you when you were, you know, the cancer guy, yeah, yeah. the dying cancer guy. <laughs> and uh, now, granted, that's been a good chunk of time now. <laughs> how many years? It's been uh, almost seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Yeah. Uh, you were diagnosed seven and a half years ago, and uh, um, but my I, my guess is you have a lot of friends that you had before that who are still very good friends and close friends, yeah. and and people who 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 say. Jesus Christ! I mean, Dove Saporin. Yeah, he's just that's the that's the greatest guy on the planet, uh, and uh, I love that guy. Jeez, I love that guy, and and they maybe liked you better before you had cancer. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't have to see so much of me. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and I mean that just really physically. They didn't have to see so much bare skin as they did <laughs> since I've gotten cancer. Um, I don't know where to 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 start. You know, we're. Uh, so I met you, uh, we did an interview, it was probably two years ago, mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. to it, uh, okay. when you were uh, uh, much healthier looking than yeah. you are today, yeah. uh, and we sat and ate uh, food at uh, down at the Corner Bakery, yeah. not too far from here, and uh, talked about uh, your your exploits and escapades as <laughs> as a cancer fighter and crusader and uh, try, and and what it's like to live with uh chemo and all of that and um and then uh, we got word a couple of days ago a week and a half ago or so that you you were not doing well that um things had con- maybe finally come to the end of the road yeah talk about that a little bit what what happened well so i think the easiest way to look at it at the whole thing is that you look at what i've been doing since the since the beginning, once I was diagnosed, first we started treating for a cure. So they hit me with everything they could. Hit me with radiation to shrink the tumor. Then went in to cut out any tumors they could. Tried that for a while. You know, once they opened me up, they found it, it that it had metastasized. Here's and, your doctor who ah, just came in, Doctor John Weiss. Is he the journey? Is he the guy here, Doctor Weiss? Maybe come around here where uh, Steve is. Uh, because has he been with you since the beginning of yep. this journey? Yeah. Uh, this is uh, the oncologist, Dr. John Weiss. Is he the man who had to break the news to you? Um, no, actually. The, <laughs> the, the man that first broke the news to me was my surgeon. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Dr. Weiss, if you get real, see how close we are to the microphones, you need to be that close to the microphone if you would. So the, the surgeon breaks the news to you mm-hmm. that you have... Really aggressive cancer. Yeah. Bad cancer. And that's, I mean, from right then, it, it was a whirlwind right then. We went in. I started the uh, six weeks of 24-7 chemo. and With this guy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember at the very beginning. Did we, I think we, did we set the, up for the 24-7? We did the chemo rods. Yeah. 
And then I did because I had a whole team, and that er, that time period for me is real. Uh, you know, I mean, everything's changed your life. The rug has just been pulled out from under your life. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're here. You're doing radiation. You have a radiation oncologist. You're getting prepped for surgery. You have a surgery oncologist. You're getting prepped for chemo, and you have a medical oncologist. And um, uh, I, so I was, you know, I was coming in every day to do radiation. I was getting burned horribly from that. I had a pick line in that was giving me chemo into my heart every day, carrying around a pack. Like this, that was delivering chemo twenty four seven. What what have you you're carrying around a pack now? Right now, the pack that I carry around is for uh, pain meds. Right now, because yeah. um, evidently without it, things would be very very bad for me right now. Very painful. Yeah, I'm. Uh, what was it that you? <laughs> we, I was talking about it with uh, some of the doctors and with with Steve, and said that I'm evidently uh, taking enough pain meds right now to uh, to stop a rhinoceros. Mm. Do you know? Do you uh, are you in much pain at this moment sitting here? At this moment, no, and that's due to um, everybody who takes care of me, uh, the hospice and the doctors who all figured out how do we manage this pain, and that's a huge part of from here till the end of my life. Right now, will be how do I manage quality of life and how do I have? Uh, Let's talk to. Uh, 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 Dr. Weiss, the yeah. oncologist. Uh, first of all, d- explain to people what it, uh, the medical oncologist is and does. What do you do? A medical oncologist, at least in my way of thinking about it, is a sort of this focal point for decision-making about cancers, which may be surgery, it may be chemotherapy, it may be radiation, it may be nothing at all. Mm. And hopefully they help. The, they work for the patient, and hopefully they help the patient make decisions They'll improve the length or the quality of their life. So, uh, uh, when someone like Dove is is referred to you, uh, are are patients who are referred to you always? Do some of them recover? Do yeah. The, I mean, the, the first the, deci- the first decision you make and the thing you talk about with your patients is whether there's an option to cure them or not. If there's an option to cure them, you always try and cure them. Yeah. If there's not an option to cure them, then you talk about whether there are options that can substantially prolong their life either uh, or their quality of life. Uh, and yeah. as I understand it with Dove, that there, was, there were lots of people who said, I mean, you're not going to live very long. Well, yeah, go ahead. May I take this one? Yeah, sure. no, please, please. go. No, <laughs> one no, of, no one I of, can answer it better. <laughs> one, one, one of the things you like to think about with your patients is what their goals are. And Dove was always very clear that his goals were that he wanted to raise his children and have his children know who he was. Mm-hmm. And that, that's an important thing. The world has changed dramatically for colon cancer patients since 1995. Prior to 1995, the average survival of people with metastatic colorectal cancer was between 6 and 12 months. Uh, and now the median survivals are 30-plus months. What I emphasized to Dove, I think, at the initial visit, and what he has always lived with, is that there is no expiration date. There's no limit to somebody's survival. People will live as long as they will live. An average is an average. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I told Dove this. I heard an interview with Sam Simon, who you may know, uh, one of the creators, creators of The Simpsons, who just died of... Was it? I don't know if it was cholera or pancreatic cancer, or, but he said when he was diagnosed, he asked his doctor, "How long do I have?" And the doctor said, "Well, we don't, we don't really like to to talk in those terms." 
Any is that is that is that the case? I, I agree with that. You're, you're out legally obligated to tell people median survivals so that they can plan, and that makes sense. But ethically, that's not the correct answer because hope is a very important quantity, and so you, you encourage people to plan to live. I think that's I I, I had never thought of it, but quite that way. But that's really a, a wise decision, yeah. uh, and uh, so so you dove made the decision to plan to live. Just as damn long as you could. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, um, it's it's a real clear you need help moment opening for me. That? No, no, I've, okay. I've, um, it's a real clear moment actually for me where I sat down, and it was before I'd come in, before I really started um, a lot of the treatment, and I was called by the um, by the doctor that did the um, colonoscopy. And he'd put off calling me, I think, because originally he told me that everything was going to be fine. He said, you're young, you're fine, there's nothing, you know, this can't be wrong. And then, of course, you know, finds a tumor when he goes and mm. does, does the look. So he put off a couple of days calling me. Um, me working at a medical lab, my wife and I working there, uh, we looked up my results and found them out early. And so we were starting to process it, starting to work our way through. And at that point, I couldn't – I read up on it, and I couldn't process cancer yet. It was too big. But I saw that a lot of people with colorectal cancer um, had bags, had colostomy bags. Yeah. And so when the doctor called me, that was the question I had. I said, wait. You know, he said, uh, you have an appointment up at Huntsman this time. I'll th- thanks. Bye. And I go, wait, wait. Am I going to have to have a colostomy bag? And he stopped and goes, oh, man, I really hoped you weren't going to ask that. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. This must be really tough for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I sa- he said, yeah, yeah, you'll probably have one for the rest of your life. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh. That hit me because, um, again, cancer, too big, too huge. Couldn't understand it. Shit bag. I get yeah. the loss of a, of a function yeah. that, you know, I had pretty much control over from the time I was at least, you know, 16 or 17. How, <laughs> how, how old was he when he stopped shitting his pants? <laughs> Ms. 16 or 17. We're, we're, <laughs> we're still working on it, okay? It's, uh, um, <laughs> it's on the schedule, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You have a great mother. She, yeah. <laughs> she cleaned you up to, to a very late age. <laughs> Dating was rough for a while there. <laughs> well, mom. <laughs> um, but so I, I go down. I, I leave work. I've been talking to the doctor on the phone from work. I leave work. I'm sitting down in the car, and I'm crying, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about suicide, and I'm thinking very seriously about it, and uh, – you know, trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to get the gun? Where am I going to do this? And a, a memory came to me of three friends of mine, uh, three sisters, whose father had, uh, he'd shot himself. And at this point, I have an eight-month-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And that suddenly, remembering them and remembering them saying, why weren't we important enough for him to stay with us? You know, that threw me. And I realized right in that moment, I said, "Okay, I'll do whatever it takes to fight for every fucking second I have with them. Mm. Every single one I'll fight and claw. And what that did for me is that then then as I started radiation, as I started chemo, as I started surgery, the question for me was not one of 
uh, can I do this? Because that decision was kind of already made. It sure. was, how do I do this? Yeah. How do I go about it? And that one, of course, is a lot more fun. That one yeah. involves writing stuff on your ass. That yeah. involves, you know, pranking the uh, the doctors. So you became this clown of the uh, this cl- <laughs> this clown of the chemo ward. This uh, this cl- cancer clown. This uh, this uh, guy uh, who who pranks people and uh, and uh, I want to ask Doctor Weiss. Um, there, this is probably the first time you'd ever seen anything like that at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. I think uh, I think it's fair to say he's unique. Yeah, and here comes here comes cancer clown Dove Zaporin, <laughs> you know, dressing in costumes and uh, uh, you, you tell, well, I mean, the the nurses take off your clothes and you've written things on your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like well, what? The very first day that I went into uh, radiation. Remember, I'm getting chemo. Um, I'm going to be really sick from that. Chemo is going to cause horrible diarrhea, right? Right. And the tumor that they're hitting is about two inches right up the exit there. And so they're shooting me with radiation there and burning me horribly. Around your, there. Uh, around your ass. Yeah. As, as, as I asked, I said, is this going to be Johnny Cash bad? And they go, Johnny Cash bad? And I go, burning ring of fire? Yeah. No. They said, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go in, and I'm scared as hell. And I'm nervous, and you know my wife's there, and we're trying to, we've been trying to figure out what to do to make this something fun, make this, you know, get through it. And I grabbed one of my kids' markers, and uh, there before I go in and lay down, have strangers shoot, you know, radiation up my ass. I grab and I write a big smiley face <laughs> on my ass, <laughs> and uh, go in there, and everyone's very serious, and they're like, "Hello, Mr. Saporin, come in here." And, they open up the gown and they bust up laughing. And um, at that moment, I realized, okay, we're going to do this. And when I went back out and went to Tara and said, hey, hey, honey, um, <laughs> can you write quotes of the day on my ass? <laughs> we're going to come up with them. Now you know. that's love. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's love. And she did. And she wrote, you know, uh, what was the first day's one was, uh, does this radiation make my butt look big? <laughs> And um, every day we'd come in here and we'd duck into the restroom. I'd hold the door closed, and she'd write quotes of the day on my ass. Yeah, and it got and it's got more outlandish than that. You oh. you wore you wore sh- you've worn shirts that say "fuck cancer" on them in this very proper hospital, and uh, you've du- you've dressed up like the Grim Reaper and pranced around through the chemo wards <laughs> and uh, and uh, and just on these outlandish things. Now I want to ask Doctor Weiss. There, there are probably institutions that would not allow this. I mean, that would have said, Mr. Saporin, we have to put a stop to this. This is not. But you've allowed this clown to go on with this. Uh, was there ever any consideration? Did, uh, and and I, if you can be honest about this, were there ever any meetings where people sat down and said, should, should we do something about this? Should we stop him? Let me go back a step first. Everybody copes in a different way. And as long as your patients are coping in a productive way or a positive way, it's hard to argue with that. There are certainly people that didn't like particularly the Grim Reaper thing. 
<laughs> as you remember, but there was never any meeting about whether to stop it. The question is, what would I, if I wanted to stop it, what could I do to him? It would be, it would be an appropriate penalty. Um, and so I've already got cancer. <laughs> so the, the question becomes, how do I cope with it? Mm-hmm. And the answer is his mechanism of dealing with it has been a positive coping thing for many people around. In truth, when I was down in clinic today, I said I was going up to do a podcast, and somebody said, oh, that must be. Yeah, we've had phone calls from people who have said, you know, please give Dove uh, our best. Uh, you know, I've had relatives up, in the, up at Huntsman, and he's, he's been very um, helpful to them, you know. And, uh, I've, for what it's worth, as, as I've done this, I've tried to um, keep a mind on the patients and on the other patients. So the time that I did the Grim Reaper thing going through there before i hadn't told any of the staff what was going on um but i talked with all the patients so every patient there was aware of what we were doing before we Mm -hmm. did and that's i know that saved my hide there too but i do want to say that um everybody here at huntsman has been amazing because i think you you hit it on the head there that a lot of hospitals wouldn't allow this I think there. I think there are hospitals who probably would say, "Mr. Saporn, we can't have this." Yeah, yeah. I think I think many of them, mm-hmm. and to have uh, people here like I think Dr. Weiss, like a lot of uh, people in the administration here, who have said, "No, this is good," or "We need to," you know, "We're going to let this happen." I think that's a rare thing, mm-hmm. and I think I know that it's it's helped me live this long. Without this, without being able to express you know my frustration and rage and you know in the way that it has um i would never i would not be here right now there's no way uh just uh let's talk a little bit about the care that huntsman that the huntsman cancer institute provides as long as we're on that and 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 dr weiss is here we always hear well it's a first class cancer hospital uh, first class care and uh, uh, you know it's it's kind of like a pr thing that we hear i mean that's just uh, the, we say Hun- we're so lucky to have huntsman <laughs> we're lucky to have huntsman we're lucky yeah. to have it uh, now we're i mean i mean it really it, rather than just pay lip service to that oh. i mean it really is true the cancer ca- the care that people receive here is probably uh, as good as any care you can get anywhere in the world. Both of you address that? Go ahead and then the first thing I think, the way I'd like to address is something I was thinking about with your last question. If you look at the Huntsman Cancer Institute with the, the, the outdoors area, the patient rooms and everything else, I think it reflects a, John Huntsman's vision of care for cancer patients and a substantially different view than a, that of a sterile hospital. Beautiful. And I, th- I think the administrators reacted appropriately that they they saw a patient taking control of his life, and I think it was an appropriate reaction. I think the care here is world class, and I think I'm very happy to be working here. I, f- I often feel very lucky to be working here. Mm. Um, well, you you have no other hospital to compare it no, to, no, really. No. But <laughs> well, I've actually I've visited some other hospitals, some friends that are in. Uh, various other hospitals, mm. and I don't want to name them or anything, mm. but I've seen other chemo rooms that are cramped and small. Mm. And I've seen, um, you know, I mean, little windowless places that that people are sitting in there just packed in like sardines. And you go to the chemo, you know, the infusion room here, and it's large and it's open, and there's room for, you know, my family that mm-hmm. comes. 
and is there with me. And that's that's huge. Um, I, I think there's one, one short story that really uh, um, explains a lot. Um, I went in, I came in, I was wearing my fuck cancer shirt, mm-hmm. right? It's one of the first days of chemo that I was having here. And I'm walking around talking to other patients. And I look over and I see this guy walking around. And he looks kind of familiar, but I can't quite place him. And he's talking to each patient and stopping, talking to each one and asking them, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? How are you being treated? You know, how are you feeling? And doing this with every patient. And I look over and I'm trying to place him, trying to place him. And then I see about four administrative officials looking really nervous. And I go, oh, oh wait a minute. That's John Huntsman Sr. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that founded this place. And I look down and I realize, oh, shit, I'm wearing a fuck cancer shirt. <laughs> and, you know, I know he's very active with the LDS church. Mm-hmm. And I know. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, oh, great. Well, <laughs> this will get us off on a good, you know, good yeah. start here. But he comes around. He comes oh. over to me. And he glances down at my shirt, looks up at me and goes, how are you doing? How are they treating you? How's it going here? And it, to me, I mean, that moment was just amazing because, I mean, A, here's this guy who founded this whole hospital who's a billionaire, who, you know, and he's taking his time to sit and talk with each one of the patients. And that says more to me than, you know, almost anything else. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he sees this and he lets something go in order to ask, I think, what is really the important question here. And what I think he sees, what I think Dr. Weiss sees, what I think everybody that works here sees is the important question, which is, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I care about you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the uh, research aspect, and I'd, I'd like to just do another whole show sometime up here, maybe make a note of it. Amy, I'll come back up, and I'd like to talk sometime about just the research aspect of what goes on up here and and the strides that are made and and you know I guess in a way you're part of the re- research that goes on up <laughs> yeah, here I aren't am. you uh, a, a lot of what you have put yourself through and been through I I mean you could have stopped at some point couldn't you and and so and people do yeah, stop yeah. and say it's enough yeah you could have stopped at some point and said this is enough uh, and maybe this isn't a fair question. I don't know. Is there is there something um, just from a guinea pig aspect of Dove Saporin's <laughs> life? Uh, has has have have we learned something just clinically from what's gone on with Dove? First, let me say I don't think he's ever felt that he was a guinea pig for anything. Oh, I told him to get a guinea pig costume. Yeah. Did you I have ever a guinea get pig shirt? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. One of my friends got it <laughs> for me. <laughs> there, there are many aspects to cancer research from clinical trials, mm-hmm. which are I, I'm more of a clinical oncologist, not a, a research uh, um, mm-hmm. person. So enrollment on clinical trials, which are can range anywhere from phase three to phase one, which are this is very active in phase one. Um, but I think what you always try and do is choose a standard therapy first and then move on to things um, and see what options people have. What I told him at the beginning is he will live as long as I have options for him. Have they uh, have they tried things out on you, Dove, that as um, you, do you know? 
<laughs> do I know? <laughs> he would, he would I know. keep he hoping. Would, I keep hoping know. I'm going to get he, superpowers he, from the radiation or something. He, he would know if I no, tried I would, something. Yeah. He would know. No, I would know. Um, no, see, actually what's happened with me, it's interesting. I, I've, I've been able to uh, uh, be treated with standard um, care, mm-hmm. with the standard of care um, up till now. And the problem is, is that I've put my body through so much. The cancer's put my body through so much. The chemo has. That right now, I'm unfortunately uh, too ill to do the clinical trials. Yeah. There may be some coming up, and we'll take a look at that. Mm-hmm. As you know, something that Dr. Weiss told me a long time ago that I really loved is that he said, you know, I'll treat you with everything I have available right now. And if something more comes up tomorrow, we'll add that in. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's just how we approach it, mm-hmm. and and so he's been. I mean, I think again, one of the really good things about this is he's been open with me about all the information that's out there, and shared it and said, okay, you have some you know understanding of uh, medicine, you know, a little bit that you've learned working in a lab. Here's information that I have. Here's stuff you can read over. Let's discuss this and approach it in a joint manner rather than a, uh, a dictatorial manner. This, this is what you do. Now go. And, what know, kind of lab work did you do? Do um, you do? I just worked as a uh, supervisor in, at ARUP Laboratories who does a lot of the lab work. I worked as, as a supervisor of specimen processing. Stool samples. <laughs> All, everything. Yeah. I got everything. Yep. Stool, yeah. Yeah. Let me let me add something. If I had a clinical trial, I could put him on. I would put him on in a heartbeat, and he has yeah. no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we certainly screen him for clinical trials to see if he's eligible. A, a, a clinical trial meaning something that's a, a new drug that's new, and let's let's just give it a shot and see. Well, it's that, approved. That's, for that's what phase ones are to see how people tolerate. That's what things. they call them. Phase ones. Phase threes are things that are known to be effective. Mm-hmm. So phase threes are if you have a phase three, it's better than a phase one. Yeah. The phase ones are how people discover new drugs that work. How many phase ones have you had? I, like I said, I haven't been able. I've been treated standard of care uh, up till now. Up till now. Yeah, and right now there's no phase ones that are open that they can put me on. Um, If some become available, then I'll probably try them. I try, and I tend to look at phase ones a lot differently than Mm -hmm. than a doctor does. As, As patients, we talk about phase ones. Um, and we'll joke about it because since, again, phase ones are sort of like, well, it worked on a hamster. Let's try you. <laughs> that's, that's how I always envision it. Uh-huh. But I also envision it and talk about it with other patients as this is what we do. If there's one available, I'll go and I'll try it. And even if it doesn't work, they'll find out something from me. Uh-huh. But that's what we do as patients because somebody did that for me. Yeah. Every single treatment that I'm on, I'm on because somebody else went in there. Sure, somebody had to. Yeah. And Some- I've seen other patients do this. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if, if, well, I don't know, love maybe a strong word, but I'd like to try a phase <laughs> one if it comes available. And you, uh, you know, and I, th- I think it's interesting, you know, what, that uh, there is that, I mean, you will, you will keep, you'll, you'll, you'll keep uh, stepping into the batter's box <laughs> as long as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, uh, Dr. Weiss, thanks a lot. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. Um, I want to talk a little bit now with uh, um, your mother and maybe your – you, would you come over to the microphone, uh, Tara, uh, your wife? And then we'll talk about hospice, I think. And then we'll, we'll tell as many dirty jokes as we can. <laughs> yes. 
Um, just swear straight for a minute. <laughs> you, um, mother and and wife, um, Una. 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 It's O O, right? No, it's one O. Oh, oh just one. O-N-A. Well, see, that's why I'm getting Una. I got two O's there. It's just Ona. Una O'Neill, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's what I was. Uh, Una O'Neill. It's Ona. Ona Saporin, uh, Dove's mother, and uh, Tara Steele. Uh, uh, you, you both, um, I guess, well, it, I'm a positive, both very supportive. <laughs> because you're here. Um <laughs> uh, were you both v- very supportive from the beginning? There have been things that Deb was wanting to do when I've said, I, I'm not sure that's a great <laughs> idea, but they've all come through. He hasn't been arrested. or <laughs> uh, They did here at the hospital once call what's called a code purple on him, which is what they call when there's a crazy person in the building. <laughs> this so is Tara, Tara speaking, by the way. Tara <laughs> speaking. Uh, but, you know, but I mean... Uh, Sometimes when people get um, ill and terminally ill, or uh, their their loved ones uh, can't just can't seem to do it and go along with them, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the case of a parent, it's more likely that they will. But in, sometimes in the case of a of a spouse, they just go, "I can't, I can't do this." And uh, yeah, go something on. I just want to mention mm-hmm. is that. Um, I've I've been amazed by uh, Tara as we go along this. Uh, not only because I keep you know putting her in uncomfortable positions <laughs> with this too. Hey, can you write this on my essay? <laughs> I, I need you to uh, you know uh, help me out with this costume. Can you go pick pick up this lingerie for me? Uh, <laughs> oh, I have it here. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> To pick it up. Oh, no, no. <laughs> we don't wear yeah. the same size. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the real awkward thing when I'm like, hey, honey, I just wore this. So what do you think? Um, no, Dove, that's just wrong. That's wrong. Um, no, but she's – she has continually seen where where I am going to need help or where – like she was there and she heard um, from – the doctor that did the colonoscopy, she heard, you know, the news from him while I was out of it mm-hmm. on drugs. So I'm still high a bit, and I'm dealing, you know, I'm kind of hearing it, but I'm out of it. She's hearing it cold. And as, as she told me once, she said, I realized that what the doctor had said meant that you had cancer. And I realized that I then needed to help you find your way to that. And... To me, that is an incredible load on someone's shoulders. And she did. And now as as she's helping me find my way to death and knowing that it's going to be an incredible weight on her shoulders, that the minute that the weight leaves mine, it's a whole, a whole new one, a whole different one for her. Um, but yet she still uh, is there and helps me along through this. And it's something amazing and something beautiful. And, uh, yeah, 
that she has been able to sit down with me and I may either read this piece or give you this piece later on, but sit down with me and tell me, hey, when, uh, when it comes time, when you need to let go, that I'll support you there. That's amazing that's, sure. that, that someone can do that and, and love enough to do that. Um, it's, it's kind of, uh, in a way, this seems kind of, well, in a way it's, you're lucky yeah. in that, yeah. you're, and you're lucky, you're both lucky too in that it's, uh, you have time, you have had time. Um, which I, you saw kind of from that moment that you thought about killing yourself. Yeah. You, you've had time. It's like, uh, uh, to... To think about all of these things, and uh, it, it's not going to make it any easier at the end. But it, well, maybe in a way. I mean, it's almost rather than lose somebody suddenly. You know, this is this is something we've talked about. Sort of plan. Yeah, yeah. you know, you yeah. can kind of plan, and I I do think it has been easier in certain ways because we've eased into all of this. Slowly, I mean, most people don't have seven years to deal with all of this. Mm -hmm. But first they were treating for a cure, and then, well, that didn't work, but we're still treating for a cure. We're still looking. And eventually, okay, now we're not treating for a cure anymore, but Dev was still very young and very healthy and able to deal with a lot of the treatments that an older person, a person with multiple health issues, might not have been able to do. So, you know, it's all happened very slowly, yeah. In a way, yeah, and that's been helpful in certain ways, and yeah. it's been really good for the kids too because it's not just dropped on them; it's something that they've grown used to slowly. Yeah, all of a sudden, dad isn't there one day. Yeah, exactly. It's, they they can kind of that's and that's exactly what I meant. It's as as bad as it is in a way; it's better that yeah. that way. Yeah, I've been able to tell you know the people that I love how much I love them every damn day. I've been able to say that again and again until, you know, with my kids, it's in the bedrock of their understanding of the world. They know that. I've been able to tell, you know, my mm -hmm. wife, my mother. Mm -hmm. I've been able to tell friends how much I care for them. And that's a pretty amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is, you know, in, in all reality, everybody has that chance. You know, and just most people don't understand, you know, don't get what? the uh, Wait a the minute. Time. <laughs> Wait <laughs> I love you all. Yeah. <laughs> we love you too, Bill. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's so life affirming. <laughs> uh, uh, Ona, what I just, as you sit here and you listen to it and you've been through all of this, just some of your thoughts about it. I'm, it, I guess uh, uh, they say and uh, uh, that it's, that it's the hardest, you know, you're not supposed to, you're 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 supposed to go before your children. That's what you know. That old saw, but I guess it's yeah. Yeah, uh, that must be the. Well, that's very true. But one of the things I think about, and I want to back up to a story. Um, I'll back up to Dove's birth. <laughs> yeah, get wow. really close. That microphone is really. That I'll one back is, up to Dove's birth that's because um, all the things that we've been talking about and that you've been, you know, bringing out about. Mm -hmm. Dove's joking aspect and his ability to play pranks didn't start with cancer. <laughs> he's he's always been, but mainly about his birth. When he was born, it was almost three months early. <laughs> and 
And at that time, it was a whole different deal if you were premature. And the care was very different, and they didn't have what they have now. Mm-hmm. So the doctors then said, he said, don't count on more than a year. So for a year, it was very, very tense. And But when I saw Dove, even the night he was born, I knew it was going to be more than a year. <laughs> and so by the time he was 17, he had his black belt in karate. And he, so when this came along, and I should back up too to high school, all the things that they did and the things that I knew they were doing, and then things I've found out since that they did <laughs> when they were younger. And you and your siblings? Yeah. 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 I could hear you, and by friends. the way, climbing out the downstairs window. <laughs> I never climbed out there. I never did that. <laughs> But um, so when the time came and and the diagnosis was made, it never occurred to me that it would be as short as they as the average. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, of course, it's all how to put it. Yeah, it's all backward. Yeah, backward. Backward. It shouldn't happen this way. No. If I could have changed it, oh. changed places, I would have. Oh. Well. Uh, again, it doesn't work that way. No, no, it doesn't. And uh, you know, um, it's I, it's suppose little consolation, but um, I think anybody would tell you that you, you know, last time uh, uh, Dove, not the most recent time, but the time before Dove was in our studio, I I, I took his picture and I put it on my phone <laughs> because I said to my I was feeling pretty shitty about my some, you know, minor nagging health problems I have, you know. Uh-huh. I was feeling kind of shitty about them, and then I and I looked at this picture of Dove and said, what the fuck am I feeling? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, so my back hurts. Big fucking deal, you know? I'll get that taken care of eventually, somehow. It'll, it'll get it fixed. You know, so I that's 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 inspiration right there. It's <laughs> a good photo. One uh, of the things that I wanted to say was I think what happens is um and an advantage I have in being his mother is that I can look back and see the progression of the development of a gift. And 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 maybe at the time even I didn't realize it. But when you see um a child who when you see a child whose whose inclination is always to help or whose inclination is always to make people laugh, then you think, well, that's that's like part of his character, all right? But it has grown over the years, and, and I'm including all the childhood and the high school years. And then in this situation, it's becoming, it has become and is still becoming perfected in terms of how do you approach people in difficult times or how do you manif- how do you, wh- what's your behavior how do you comport yourself in the worst possible times yeah. and i've seen that gift as i look back and think about it i've seen that gift just come to fruition in in one of the most beautiful ways you know 
And I don't cringe when he swears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> she did. It's, it's, it's taken a while to get. Uh, I could have sworn the, fir- the first one, I, when you said shit right at the beginning of the interview, I thought I saw your mother go. <laughs> just, that might have been just a little involuntary flicker there. Maybe just a little. Yeah, just a little. Um, Still the mom, <laughs> but you you know you should um, you should and I'm sure you do and and people will tell you this time and time again that uh, uh, you you should be whatever you did whatever small part you played in uh, in what this is what this human being is that is the that is the greatest work it's, you it's, know thank you I'd say it's not I mean. In, you know, it's not small at all. One of the things that my mom taught me from early, early on is uh, is uh, self-sufficiency, I think, in a lot of ways, and taught me that I could handle things. That so, you could sneak out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, when I had karate, the place that I went to karate was, you know, what, halfway across miles. town. It was a couple yeah. miles. And she wouldn't give me a ride there. So I'd run back and forth to karate. And, you know, in summer and fall and winter. And I remember running and just cursing. <laughs> so <laughs> mad like, at I me. can't believe, you know, I have to run out in the middle of the snow and, in the, you know, in the middle of these horrible conditions. But what I was learning was that I could do that. And so that's, again, I mean, I think that led directly into dealing with this. Mm-hmm. It, I was able to answer that question of not can I do this or not. That was okay. I can do this. I can make my way through pain. I've hurt before. And it's not fun. I don't like pain or anything. But I can make my way through it. And I can deal with it. And I can focus on the more important questions, which is how do I have fun with this? How do I you know, make it something that I can enjoy? Mm-hmm. And so that is something that she taught me through ACT and DEED um, for a long time. And Having also a storyteller as a mom that memorizes the Odyssey and tells you the Odyssey when you're growing up. Pretty cool. How damn cool <laughs> is that? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I'm, and I, I think that, uh, I, where did you guys meet? Where, Tara, where did you and Dove meet? <laughs> we met in high school. High school. High sweet. school in Logan? In Logan. Yep. Are you from Cache County? Yeah. I he must he there. must have been a, he must have been an exotic to a <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in Logan in the early eight, or the late 80s. Yeah. He was possibly one of the most unusual people that we ever knew. Yeah, in but yeah. And uh and all of these things that we talk about we we're talking about is is what you I'm sure you looked at and went, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was weird. We've been together since we were 17, pretty much nonstop, and it's we've been lucky to kind of grow up together, you know. Yeah. We went through all of our stupid years together and we I'm still going through them. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we got married finally. We dated for nine years before we got married. So, you know, we had, I knew him quite well before we, yeah. before yeah. we jumped in. And now we've got kids and I, I can't imagine, honestly, the world without Dev. Yeah. Uh, I guess we talk a little bit about the end of life a little bit with yeah. hospice and how that all and and why why you've decided i mean this is the first you've really brought hospice into 
into all of this recently, right? Yeah, yeah. They well, what happened is just throughout this last hospital stay, where um, I had been dealing with some pretty bad pain, and and the chemo was this last chemo just it it took me down for the count. I lost about forty pounds in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I had the flu at the same time. It was it was what happens to a cancer patient at some point. You, know, you become, you you become more bad. vulnerable to, yeah. to things like the flu and yeah. illnesses and stuff as well. And everything just hit right there. And uh, I said, lost a lot of weight. I was in pain already. And they were trying to figure out what was going on, what was causing the pain. I don't know that still we have a perfect answer for that. But I was in the hospital once, then went back into the hospital uh, with a blood pressure of, I think I was... 54 over 46. Well, that's not good. No. It's really good for an infant. You know, it'll get the blood through an infant just mm-hmm. great. Me, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as we did tests, as we looked at stuff, we realized that the tumors that I have are still growing. And so it means that the chemo I was on isn't doing anything. It's not doing enough. Now, had and they, had they uh, like when I talked to you two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, had, they, had they pretty well stopped for a while, the tumors, or... What they were doing, what we've been doing all along is, so once I started uh, um, being treated for palliative care, um, and that was sort of, in essence, that's what, that's the, I guess, nice word for your terminal with this. This is going to be what kills you. And we're trying to give you, this is in the hospital saying, we're going to try to give you length of life right here and quality of life. Um, And so what I was doing then is I was doing a chemo for as long as it worked. And the chemo, it was pretty understood at that point, would not completely stop. It wouldn't kill off all the, the uh, cancer that I had in me, yeah. all the cells. It would kill off some of them, hopefully enough that um, I was, I was uh, detente. Or I'd, 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 um, the amount that the cells were growing was the same as the amount we were killing off. And I'd go along. Stasis. Yeah, stasis. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, homeostasis right there. Yeah. Um, so I'd keep going until that chemo fell through. Detente. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to talk my cancer cells into that. I'm like, hey, look, okay, I'll stop cutting you out. You stop attacking me. We'll just cruise like this for a while. It'll be good. But I did that, and the uh, cells, um, every time after a certain amount of time, the chemo would fail. The tumors would start growing again. They'd start winning that battle. I'd switch to another chemo, and it would go back. And I was really, really lucky that so many chemos worked on me, that so many of the standard chemos, the standard approach, Mm -hmm. that that kept working. And my approach was always, you know, I'm not going to live forever. I just need to live till the next chemo comes out. (laughs) And we did that for years and years and years. They were doing research. I'd take the next one as it came out of the uh, as it got approved and boom it would work on me for a while um, but you eventually come down to the end of the line where it's not mm-hmm. and that's where I am right now where there aren't more chemos right now there aren't more clinical trials and even if there were right now I couldn't go on them because my body is so beat up so right now I have tumors around my liver that are cutting off some blood flow into my liver I have tumors around uh, my aorta that are cutting off blood flow out of the heart, and I'll start doing that more. Um, I have a lot of pain, which is probably from cancer in some various places that we haven't seen yet. Um, And what I'm having to do is figure out this really strange thing for me, which is 
I've been focused on fighting and fighting and fighting. And I have to realize that um, the body can only do so much. Mm-hmm. I can't force it to do. I'm, and I'm used to doing that. <laughs> See this? My mom's seen this. I've gone and run marathons on chemo. You know, I go and do triathlons. I force my body to do things. And I'm having to, my body is finally saying, look, buddy, fuck, we've been through a lot. <laughs> you know, I try to help you here, but come on. Aren't uh, you doing some kind of race or something this weekend, though? Uh, coming up soon, yeah, I'm doing another 5K. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> come on, give me a yeah, break. Exactly. It's saying, and it's really interesting. And I think that's one of the neat things about um, hospice, as I deal with them, is they and I'm talking with them, and we're feeling our way around. Let's, let's get Steve over over here, Steve <laughs> Scoville from uh, Inspiration Hospice, um, and we'll talk about what hospice yes. is and what it's supposed to do. And so, so you called them. It's well, um, actually, oh. what happened is we sat down, or were they hovering I, outside the door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a different business. They chase ambulances. <laughs> Somebody dying here? No. Uh, Hello. <laughs> One call. <laughs> If it's, they used to have Vincent Price. There you rang. Um, no, it's a, it's a real different. You know, I mean, in in the hospital, and, and Steve, you'll have to you'll have to keep me honest on this. But in the hospital, they're very focused on what can we do to fix this? How do we fix this? And how do we? And that's the focus. It's always how do we fix whatever's going wrong right now? How do we take that? Where, from my understanding of hospice, and I'll be real honest, it was Tara who's done a lot of research on hospice mm-hmm. she understands it as usual she's 10 steps ahead of me in understanding where we need to be and what understanding needs to happen here but they they look at this journey from from uh knowing that a we all die and we're all going to go through that and i need to make a note of yeah, that. yeah exactly. <laughs> write it down because a lot of people die. don't get that i you know it's <laughs> It's hard to. It is hard to fathom. Yeah. Even even when you get you get older and older and older, it's still hard to fathom. Yeah. Isn't it? It's the end of who you are. It's it's real hard for the ego to like. (laughs) I guess that's what it is. I'm not going to be here anymore. It is difficult to fathom that you will cease to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The. uh, Oh. Did uh, my wife come here? It's, uh, that mic, for some reason, too, Tara, just so you know, is re- for some reason it's not as powerful as the rest of them, so get really right on it. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to bring up part of what we did in this last hospital stay was they've been trying to figure out what was causing Dove's pain. And so they ran test after test, and we did scan after scan. And finally what we realized was that it doesn't matter at this point. What we find out, even if we found out what was causing the pain... We can't treat the cancer that's causing the pain. There's no treatment left. There's nothing right. that we can find out that will change his treatment options. And that's kind of where we said, okay, at this point, hospice is what we're looking at because we need to be able to treat the symptoms and just not worry anymore about what's causing them. And that's uh, a different, that's kind of where the God. different mindset is from the hospital. Yeah. The hospital wants to find out and try and fix it. And we're at the point where. We'll it doesn't matter anymore. So, so Steve, when how how does hospice normally get involved in, in just in a typical case? Well, uh, or, or a tip- is there such a thing? 
That's a fair question. Um, dose, t- dose case, uh, definitely not, not typical. Um, it, you know, typically the patient is older. Um, typically there's a decision point, just as, as Dr. Weiss was talking about, you, you come to that decision point. And a lot of times uh, hospice is consulted a little bit too late in the process. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we miss the opportunity to, to give, um, give people uh, more, uh, more quality out of the time that they have. Uh, but, you know, typically it's from a hospitalization or it's from a stay in a nursing home or, or something of that nature. Is it general? Is it most often the hospital, uh, the nursing staff, the doctors recommend maybe you ought to uh, have hospice worker come in and talk to you? It's becoming more, yeah. uh, more, more prevalent, more common. I think the discussion is being pushed forward yeah. in that way. Yeah, um, you know, because because uh, you know, like I say, I've I've got I'm having a little trouble with my back. Should I have a hospice? <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe get, I should we'll get a consult for you. <laughs> maybe I should have hospice. Start. You know, just it might be a few years down the road, but <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, so so did you? So you guys decided. Uh, Tara and Dove, you guys decide together. Let's call hospice, or you ask ask Huntsman, who should we consult? One of the uh, one of the great things I think here again is that um, Huntsman was very involved in this, and they'd come. My uh, a lot of my doctors had come and talked to me, and between the doctors and Tara, they finally helped me realize, yeah, this is. You know, this is what we need to do, or this is where we're going. Again, I'm the last to realize. Of course, I was also on, you know, what enough pain meds to, to knock out a rhinoceros, an opiate but naive rhinoceros, an, an opiate naive rhinoceros. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, then they took care of a lot of that. They went through and they know my insurance. They were able to take a look at that and they said, "Okay, we're going to go ahead and contact hospice." I had someone come in here that works with Huntsman and works with hospices and talked with me about it and then um, and helped set it all up and helped uh, get it going. So what do you what what do you do? You know, it's it goes back to what Dr. Weiss was talking about. We sit down and we talk about um, what what the goals are, what the patient wants um, with the time that they have. And uh, and we approach it that way, getting getting dove to the point that he's comfortable enough to run a 5K. Um, which scares the hell out of me. Uh, You'd rather he not. I, I rather he he be able to run that race. It just scares the hell out of me, mm-hmm. and, and I think he. I, uh, I need to tag along and maybe. <laughs> it, it, it's giving it's giving Dove every last chance to have every last moment. You put it real well the other day. We were talking, and, and we were talking about it in terms of a journey. Um, and one of the thi- one of the things that I've been worried about, I'm wor- you know, worried about a lot of stuff. I'm worried about control, and I'm losing all that completely, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm worried about dying in the house and that being rough for my children. Would you you would rather not? I don't know. I don't, I'd rather not die, so I don't know <laughs> where, you know, where it's going to be, doesn't I just, you know. Yeah. Back to the underlying. Well, but, yeah, uh, but. but I don't want to die in a hospital because it's, it's yeah. alien from that which is familiar to me. But I'm worried about dying at home because I'm worried about, as I think I put it, poisoning a room with sadness and loss. And worried that Tara will have to walk through that room, or the kids will. Um, 
But one of the things that uh, Steve mentioned the other day is he said, you know, I think we can work to make this a sacred journey and a sacred space. And in talking with hospice, in talking with them about it, I really believe that. That, you know, and it, it doesn't mean that the journey that I have left in these next, what, you know, months, weeks, days, whatever they are, um, won't be rough, it won't be sad, it won't be angry, but it'll also be beautiful and it'll be joyous and um, and there's a space for beauty and for what is sacred, even though, as you know, I'm not religious, but I think things can be sacred separate from that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I know can, what you mean. Yeah. Things can be, even though you may not believe in God or an afterlife, things can still be spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And if I can, Dove, when Dove approached me with this concern, he asked me a question, and he started with, and maybe you can't answer this question. And I get that a, I get that a lot. And but but then Dove answered the question for me. And Dove, you can if if you want to tell the story you told me after asking the question, just briefly what that. I don't remember. Okay. So you go for it. Um, well, I say so many profound things I know, that they get lost I know. sometimes. We've got volumes you know? of them. We'll, yeah. we'll, I've been writing them down. <laughs> well, Dove shared with me the experience of uh, another uh, of his oh, cancer warriors with Tammy. with Tammy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and he described that after she had passed, the family invited Dove to come over. This is before. Sorry, it was before she passed. Sorry, before. Yeah, this is another uh, friend of mine. Um, Tammy, I'm sorry, I'm taking Tell over it now. now. No, that's um, what I wanted. She, uh, she's a good friend of mine, and uh, her family. As she was dying, and she got down to her last her last day. Uh, her family invited me to to come there to her house, and she was there at home, and she was laying on the bed, and her husband was there, and he was. He was holding her head in his arm, and her son, who'd just gotten back from a mission, was there, and her daughter, who had just graduated from high school, was there, and they they invited me to be there and to have a few moments there with Tammy, who was asleep at this point, and um, she wouldn't wake up from this, but... They they shared that moment there, mm-hmm. and that to me was, I think, one of the kindest, one of the most beautiful things I've ever been able, been gifted, been given, because I was able to hold a friend of mine there mm-hmm. and wish her well on her journey, and it it was something beautiful. And I think, yeah, I guess that's that's. Um, form that basis of my understanding of hospice or of how something can be beautiful mm-hmm. like this. And it's really interesting. I mean, sorry, showing this to me again and again, and I have trouble seeing it saying, you know, oh, I don't want my kids to be scarred. But, I, you know, looking at her kids, they weren't. They were there, and they had that, that time with her. And that was uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I can't. It's, yeah, I was in, I was in the in the room uh, most recently when my mom died um, it, she, it was at the hospital but we were we all had a chance to get there and be there and 
um, you know, and it was and it was pretty clear standing in the room, you know, and just holding her hand, and she did. Then when she just stopped breathing, and you know, knew she was gone, and I would rather have done that than not be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it, if we if we do things if we do things right to to not make it chaotic, and hospitals can do it too. Mm-hmm. They they can make that. It was they okay. They can make that place. It was okay. It would it would have been nicer if it had been at home. I have a suggestion for you if you're worried about. Can I die at your place? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you'd like, you can. That you know that wasn't my suggestion, but if you would like to, duly noted. I'd be happy to provide. I've got some. I got some rooms, you know, that we don't use much. But here's a suggestion. You have you make a co- you you get a litter, uh-huh. you know, like a, a, a what what am I saying a, a, a litter that you like a, from a what what's another word for a litter a, a, a you know like a, from an old ambulance oh uh, a gurney a, you know <laughs> a stretcher <laughs> thank you stretcher stretcher, stretcher. stretcher is a more common word for it thank you Tara you get a stretcher and make it nice and mm-hmm. uh, and decorate it and festoon it and everything and that's and have it in your house and when it's getting really close they just the family just picks you up and carries you and takes you outside out into the yard someplace nice i like that especially since it may very well be in the in the summer yeah if you have if you have a yard and i'm I'm really kind of serious about that out into the yard or if you've got a station wagon put you (laughs) in the station wagon go up into the mountains and up to a a nice place up into the uh, up into you know up Church Fork up in Mill Creek Canyon. And My mind's horrible, and I'm picturing you know, people trying to like walk me along. Oh, we dropped him again! Yeah, Shit, no. Don't die or, yet. Or there's a family in the picnic ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> hey, we, Dad's dying over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but uh, but I mean, I'm serious. If so you funny. if you just take uh, in, yeah. uh, I, you know, there are there. Are, I think there are peoples who. Uh, don't uh, believe that it's better that you do not die inside of a building. Yeah. You know that yeah. you should die sure. outside so that your spirit can ascend. Can if you ascend. believe in that sort of thing, but you know, just go outside. I've been I've been thinking about it. You know, as we talked about, it, and as of course I'm I'm working on planning funeral and planning this, and and Tara and I will sit and talk. But I am spending a lot of time trying to think about that right now, and thinking about what room do I want to do it in. Mm-hmm. In the house, or how if if it's inside or outside, or how do we how do we do it? And I think uh, I think the answer when it finally comes will be interesting, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be different because you know it's me. And but I think we will have, like you said, we'll have some things there around me, drawings from the kids. We'll have yeah. different stuff yeah. that can help it be. Like I said, I as, the, as positive an experience for the kids as it can. Yeah. It, it, I, I think you'll be surprised. I mean, well, you won't be surprised. <laughs> I'll be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, I think you'll be surprised the, by the jack-in-the-box that I have. <laughs> Somebody will jump out. Or yeah. And the funeral arrangements. Yeah, yeah. The, the, kids will, the kids, they'll be great. They're good. Yeah. They'll be great. They're strong. Um. The and I like your really love your idea of fireworks, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with ashes and shooting them into the sky or have you, those Chinese lanterns. Have you ever <laughs> seen those Chinese lanterns? The you? Oh are, yeah, that you send up in the, the, oh. pa- the paper lanterns. I are love so that. beautiful. I love yeah. that. Uh, hospice is uh, 
some and so you come into the home and you talk to people about all the stuff like this exactly the the common thread in all of it is making sure that whatever terms uh dove has you know we can't change the outcome and and dove Dove knows that, but whatever terms uh, and how we approach that, that's what we want to do, and that's what we will do, um, wherever and however that is. Uh, and it, it's a team of people that come and uh, sometimes ask difficult questions, but and and hopefully uh, help someone answer that question for themselves. You're a nurse practitioner, uh, does so? Does that mean you also help with Dove's pain management? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, we, we titrate. And, and does, hosp- does hosp- hospice typically do that as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it you said, um, that we're an ER that can come to your house? Or we're an ER that is anywhere you need it? We take the chaos okay. out of emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is really an, a lot of things that we can handle in a home setting mm-hmm. um, and, and, and make that non-traumatic, but also make that, that comfortable and... and and provide that emergency care. Yeah, that's. I think that's. See, now that's very important for people to know yeah. uh, that if you if you would like to be at home, they can provide that pain management at home. Uh, and uh, you know, there's, and and the time it takes us to get to your bedside is probably less than the amount of time someone would wait in the emergency yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. To be to be to be honest. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times people when it, it when it gets to that they they call an ambulance and they and they ha- and they you know they they take their loved one to the hospital because they know they're going to die at the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, and I guess that's a choice. They sort of want this that clinical setting. And these are I, things we just sort of touched on that, but you've thought of that. One of the things that I think is amazing about, I'm just going back, all this love on hospices, but one of the things that I, I think is amazing about it is um, A, that they will ask the tough questions. I think I'm, okay, I think I'm lucky um, with Tara um, because we discussed this. We've discussed the tough questions, we've talked with the kids about death, and I really value. Um, her in that that she doesn't as much as she doesn't want to think about my death she loves me and loves the children enough that um, talking about it with them and helping them through it is very is is top on the list Mm -hmm. and so we've like she said earlier we've uh, dealt with this a lot as we've gone through um, and one of the things that I really appreciate, though, talking with um, Steve, talking with Natalie at hospice has been that they go into situations where nobody's talked about anything, um, where they haven't you know, told a child that the mom is dying right now. Mm-hmm. Or, and, but, and they then have these conversations and help people through this and help people go through it, I think, as peacefully and as as uh, calmly as they can. Um, sorry, I didn't know where I was I was really going, but I wanted to. I think there are a lot of people who don't have conversations about death as it comes closer and closer and think that maybe as, if we don't talk about it, it's not really there. It won't happen. Yeah. And I know from early on, from when I was a kid and my dad had to go by hospital or by uh, ambulance a couple times to the hospital, I know how damn terrifying that is. Yeah. For a kid to suddenly strange people in lab coats and flashing lights and sirens. And this is so opposite that and so calm and and 
Yeah. Did it piss you off though when the, when uh, fi- it's, you know finally the decision was made? Sort of, uh, and I and I kind of get the impression, and I may be wrong, that your mm-hmm. wife kind of s- said maybe we ought to think about hospice. Did it piss you off a little bit, um, or make you angry, or? What actually happened is she brought it up after we were sitting there, and you got to realize I'd been in two months of horrible pain, mm-hmm. and she'd seen me in more pain. You know, both uh, my mom and Terry had seen me in more pain than I've been in throughout this whole thing. Right. And I came real close to actually dying about a month and a half ago mm. um, just because of the pain and because I stopped eating. Mm-hmm. And so... We'd sat down. They were doing tests trying to figure this out. Tara and I had sat down, and I'd started crying. I was there, and I was looking out the window of the hospital room, and I was seeing some people go biking by or hiking by up in the foothills. And I was in a, I was in a rough place, and I turned to her, and I was crying. I said, I, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to walk my son on this hike in Canada ever again. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be able to do this. And... It was before anybody had told me that I was dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, other than you're terminal and, yeah. and you're dying. Um, <laughs> I mean, now I mean, you're you know, really Yeah, dying. yeah, now you're really dying. No, really, really. Not really, just, really, um, really, <laughs> not mostly dead. Yeah, yeah. I feel happy. I feel happy. Uh, yeah. And yes, we may play Always Look on the Bright Side of Life at my funeral. That very, very That's well. That's good. That's a good one. But, I, I, and I think, you know, I'd realized my body, my mind had, had yeah. gotten there ahead and was there. Yeah. And I was just hearing myself say it. And it was after that that Tarot sort of brought it into the words of, hey, you know. Yeah, this, the time is right to tell Dove. <laughs> and it really is. And yeah. we really do need to do yeah. this. And so I think, you know, again, I think that that um, Tara helped guide me to somewhere that I was getting to on my own but I was getting there the roughest possible way because that's how I do everything yeah <laughs> and, um, so no I wasn't angry I, I, I mean there are times that I'm angry yeah, and I there are times so. that I go and I punch things and I curse <laughs> at the future that I feel is stolen from me yeah. um, but I don't dwell in that moment because you know, you do. You have. You will not go gentle into that. Yeah, good yeah, night. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, then, just finally, let's um, maybe talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, you know, and I hope you know people listening to this, and we go on and on aboard. Just you know, it's just this is this is now an hour and ten minutes about <laughs> death. You know, I uh, to me, I find it just uh, it really uh, sort of uplifting. Uh, in a way, in an odd way, and I hope people don't find it a downer. And well, I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's somehow oddly comforting, and uh, to be able to look at it and be frank about it, and just yeah. just talk about it, and just say it's going to happen to every one of you bastards listening to this. Yeah. Remember <laughs> that it's going to happen to all of us, one way or the other, and you can just choose to face it or ignore it. Um, but. Um, you don't, you don't, we've talked about this before. You don't particularly, you don't believe in an afterlife or. Not, not necessarily. I, uh, what I, what I believe is that a, I don't know that much about the universe we're in. I'm this little itty bitty being in one part of it. And I believe strongly that, uh, 
I I need to worry about what's in front of me. I worry about how I treat the people around me. I worry about how I make my way through life, and I try to do that in a good way, and the rest of it will take care of itself. Um, there's, let's see, I, I can find this. There's a great quote by Marcus Aurelius or that's, that's uh, attributed to him that says something about, you know, don't worry. Don't worry about the gods so much. If they're gods and they're just and you live a good life, then mm-hmm. they'll see that. If they're gods and they're unjust, then why would you want to worry about them? And if there's no gods, you'll die having lived a good life, and that will stand in your stead, you know? That yep. will. And so I, I, I try to live a lot by that. Um, at the same time, I, uh, uh, I think one of my friends, Chuck, he was uh, is another terminal cancer patient, Buddhist, and uh, he said, he goes, you know, I don't, my job when I'm here, when I talk with other people, is to not worry about my own religion. I support them in their choices. And so that's me in chemo and talking with other patients is I support them in whatever they believe. And I try to keep an open mind, too, because, again, I don't know stuff. So I figure when I die, either I'll die and I'll be dead and I won't know it and that's it and okay. And no worries. Or there'll be something and, wow, how cool. You know, I'll find out something. Or I'll be like, hey, it's getting kind of warm. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, Boy, shit. did I screw yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, damn it. Uh. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. But we'll see, you know. it's. Yeah. I, I was talking to Steve the other day, and I said, you know, this journey, and I mentioned it a little bit before, but this journey is, I feel almost like I'm betraying. Like I'm betraying Tara and the kids and my mom because I know that there's, in these last days, in finding out the things that I'll figure out about me and about them and, you know, about whatever as I come to the end of what I am, um, at least for me, that there's part of me that's, I don't know, excited, that's interested in it. I wrote a... I wrote this little bit in in the hospital right after I heard, and I wrote, uh, and so it arrives. This last battle, this drawn-out um, battle with a lone cell, this battle which was never truly won. Is that relief I hear in the background of my thoughts? Is that... Finally, that echoes through the back of my mind. And it comes later than I thought, and earlier than I wish, and still always tears, tears, tears. And I keep that because I think it was honest. And um, I think above all, you should, especially with these days, you know, what the hell am I doing if I'm not being honest? But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers anything or, or what, but it's, uh, it's something. It's something to behold, and it'll be something to journey through. It is something already, and... You're a, you're a little bit curious. Yeah, yeah, and a I little, and, and in a way, you said it, a little bit excited. Yeah, and it's, it's a weird feeling. 
it's, and it's 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 a little bit of acceptance. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's something that uh, feels like betrayal too. Yeah. So. Dove Saporin. <laughs> Would you like to tell a joke now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, two dead guys walking over. No. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'll do, actually? Yeah. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to finish kind of a little story from earlier with Tara. Okay. So she's right here, and I, it's one that I absolutely love. Um, well, I love the fact that we talk with, uh, you know, we talk as I'm going into surgery about, I'll ask the nurse, you know, hey, can we uh, take out uh, my tumor and, you know, draw a little face on it and take a picture or something? And they're like, no, that's gross. I asked if they could take out. They were cutting out a bunch of my liver. And I said, well, can we just put a little sign next to it that says, you know, like, spring break, 2010. <laughs> and, you know, or, I hate chemo, something. And the nurses look at me like, uh, what? what? <laughs> and I asked if I could have a piece of the tumor um, that I could take. And she goes, well, what would you want that for? And Tara's sitting there reading a, uh, you know, a magazine in the office. And this poor nurse is looking around for some help, some, you know. Uh, is she kidding? Yeah, yeah. What is going on? And she goes, well, why, would you, why would you want a, a piece of your tumor? And uh, I said, well, you know, I'd, I'd punch it. I'd, you know, yell at it. I'd have it there, you know. And the poor nurse goes, she goes, well, what? that's gross. <laughs> and Tara just deadpan. She looks up and she goes. That's what I keep telling him. Looks right back down. <laughs> Beautiful. And, you know, and and I love that, that Tara's been willing to jump in on so many of these things. But I think one of my favorite moments of the whole time is, as I told you, we were doing the quotes of the day. And mm-hmm. we did the, uh, um, I had the smiley face, and we did the, uh, she started writing them. And we'd duck into the restroom. I'd hold the door closed. She'd write on there right before I went into radiation each day. And she writes, you know, I hope they pay you well. Uh, That wasn't a fart. It was the tumor talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On Valentine's Day, we had big hearts all over my ass. Mm -hmm. And um, President's Day, we had a flag. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't remember what we wrote on that day. (laughs) Don't tread on me would have been good. And, uh, and you know, and there's fun other parts that are going on. Mm-hmm. I'm, we go home to document this each day. I'm dropping my pants, and she's taking a photo of it. Mm-hmm. And halfway through this, my mother-in-law comes down, and she asks my son, hey, let's take a photo of you, and pulls up her camera, and he turns around and drops his pants because <laughs> he thinks that's what you do. Her <laughs> smile. Yeah. <laughs> but halfway through this, um, it's St. Patrick's Day. And we have clovers on one cheek. We're trying to figure out what to put on the other cheek. And inspiration strikes. I go, oh, I got it. We go in there and we duck in there. And I say, right, go ahead and pinch me. <laughs> and Tara goes, oh. You know, pinches the bridge of her nose and sighs. Um, uh, <laughs> as she does often, you can, you can guess. Mm-hmm. And then um, she writes on there. I go in there, lay down. All the radiation therapists come in. And me being me, I'm lying there, and I look back at one of the nurses, you know, kind of mm-hmm. raise an eyebrow, and I go, hey, so uh, you going to pinch me? And she looks at me, looks down at my butt. Nurse looks at me, looks at my butt, and then goes, smack, and smacks my <laughs> ass. And I go, what, what the hell was that for? And she goes, it says right here, if he asks you to pinch him, smack him for me. <laughs> Thanks, Tara. 
<laughs> Nicely <Nice>. done. <laughs> Nicely done. Valuable lesson is don't ask your wife to write pickup lines on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> For other women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or other men. Or other men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> uh, I think we've we've done it. Um, always a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I hope we um, have the chance to do it again. I hope so, too. We'll see. Um, uh, that's it. The Let's Go Eat show. Um, when when I, well, when you get there, pour me a double. All right. All right. Okay. When I leave, have one for me. Okay. I will. <laughs> that's it. You know, I, wait a minute. I should come back and just thank everybody who's been here. Uh, it's a, so there's a big pause there. But anyway, I should thank all of our guests. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Steve Scoville, uh, nurse practitioner with Inspiration Hospice. Thanks for taking some time thank with you, us. Thank you, Bill. Uh, thank you to Dove's wife, Tara Steele. Thank you to Dove's mother, Ona Saporin. Uh, thank you to Dove. Thank you to uh, uh, oncologist uh, Dr. John Weiss. And I think we got everybody, didn't we? Okay, now I'm going to go home and have a double. Right. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, thank you to the producers of the show. I want to thank Corey O'Brien. I want to thank my son, Dylan. And now, yeah, I'm going to go home and have a double. That's it. <laughs>